Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Carrier's Ed podcast. Carrier's Edge, did I not say it properly? You oh did my not. goodness. Carrier's Edge podcast. I am the uh, one of your hosts, co-founder and uh, of Carrier's Edge, Jane Jezrawi, and with me other co-founder of Carrier's Edge, yeah. Mark Morell. And let's just correct some of those various wow. typos and miss. How mis- did I not even pronounce my own company correctly? Carrier's Ed. Carrier's Ed. It it's was like just special like, Ed. Yeah. But I was looking it up in French to see if, uh, to say episode 30 in French, because this is a milestone. I is think, it? It, well, it's 30. Oh, it's, it's a round number, I see. It's a round number, yeah. All right. We missed 25. Well, we better make it a good one then. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to say thirtieth episode in French. I know how to say thirty and episode, but not together. Okay. Well, we'll send that off to Denis. And he, can tell <laughs> yes, us. he can. He can say it when he does translation for us. We'll get him to time. record that. We'll get Is him to record each of the episode numbers in French. Episode. The trente. Possibly. Yeah. Trente episode. I don't know. Something so, like that. What are we going to talk about today? Not how to say French. <laughs> Not how to say episode in French. We're just going to immediately go down a rat hole on <laughs> how to say something in French. We're going to talk about the TCA convention. Yeah, I thought we could do a bit of a wrap up there, high points. Um, we've had some other things happen outside of TCA convention that we can talk about since our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, updates that seem like ages ago now, but really weren't that long ago. So we can talk about those and some stuff that's coming up. So let's start with a recap of the excitement, the whirlwind, the blur of insanity that was the Truckload Carriers Association annual convention last week in Las Vegas. It was a blur. Um, well, I went to my first RRHR meeting. That was ah, the first yes. thing I did. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of exciting things that they're doing at the TCA with regards to education. And they have a fleet manager um, uh, certification program that they're improving and adding to. They're doing a kind of a rewrite of it. So that's uh, that's interesting. And and uh, they're adding a an FMCSA 101 module to that. So I thought that that's was a good kinda, idea. Yeah, I think it would be good for people who are new to the industry, who are serving the industry to do. So um, I when it comes out, I may be using it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we're talking about putting um, educational content in other meetings, so like the safety meeting or the reefer meeting, that kind of stuff. Which does beg the question of what content did they have in there before if it wasn't educational content? I don't know. I'm not sure because I'm not going to all of these safety meetings, but I know that they have, they haven't always coordinated. I think that's the big difference is that now they're coordinating with the education part branch of the TCA and, yeah, that uh, makes a lot of sense. And I, yeah. I, I've always found that to be weird, how some of the things seem to work as a coordinated effort and some of them almost seem to be run by like different groups, uh, run by different committees that don't have that oversight from the education group. Uh, so it'll be good to have that cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. And then there's a webinar. We were talking about webinars and and basically that kind of thing and, and uh, figuring out figuring out content to push out and what would be useful so it was a it was a good meeting to uh well they're doing a lot more webinars yes and we're doing a webinar on april 11th i believe uh 
I have Prime, who's the overall uh, large fleet winner for Best Fleets. I can say that now without mm-hmm. worrying about it, without the stress of, am I blurting out the winner? Um, and Keller, um, Keller Trucking. Thomas E. Keller Trucking. Thomas E. Keller Trucking, who I still always refer to as Keller. That's and how they put it in their application. They put in, yeah, there's a, like with a bunch of trucking companies, there's about 50 ways to refer to them and mm-hmm. everybody knows that it's the same. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to assume that that's okay. And anyway, Keller is going to join us as well. So we'll have the large fleet perspective and the small fleet perspective. Nice. Mm-hmm. Which leads into the second exciting thing that happened at the event, uh, which was our unveiling of our overall winners mm-hmm. and finally being able to talk about it without fretting about uh, spilling the beans prematurely. Yeah, I actually had a conversation with somebody uh, on the first day where I thought that I had spilled the beans. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, because I was saying, I said something about how the TCA wanted to have the overall winners, and I couldn't, and but we couldn't say, we didn't even know who the top 20 was, so we couldn't say who the overall winners are, and I was sort of thinking, oh, no, there's no overall winners, like, oh! So I don't know if he caught that, but uh, I mean, you wouldn't have told him very much except that the panel wasn't, the people I had on my panel weren't the overall winners. So yes, we had two months of stressing about not being able to say anything. And yeah, it's tough because after the top 20 gets announced, you kind of feel like a lot of the pressure's off. Okay, everybody knows who the top 20 are. And that happens a couple of weeks after we do the scoring. So it's not a long period of sort of sitting on it, but the overall winners, it's like two months, nearly two months to the day mm-hmm. from the time we decided or uh, came through all of the scoring process and figured out who those winners were going to be until the point where we actually announce it publicly. And that's always a very stressful time because there are some people who know, cause we have to put together a press release announcing it and TCA has right. to do the trophies. So it's not like it just sits here and we, uh, we're the only ones who know. Yeah. yeah there are some people who the know. more people who know the worse it is. And there was a, um, there are some new staff at the TCA and I told one of them who the overall winner is that I, that prime was the overall winner. And then I was like, Oh no, Maybe he doesn't know. So I'm like, you have to, you can't say it to anyone. You can't. Oh, presumably all the staff know all the winners for all of the contests because they have to do the trophies and the plaques, like the safety awards and the uh, highway angel of the year and past chairman's award. They seem, they would seem to know who all of those winners are in advance and just keep their mouths shut. Yeah. but I only we am, still fret about I'm it. I'm only responsible for one of those. That's the one I care about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't care if I know who the safety overall safety winner or the over the highway angel of the year. I don't care. Yeah. I'm probably not going to talk about it. I'm not going to slip up with that. But the uh, because basically we know who the overall winners are when we do the top twenty. I don't know if people know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It is that two months is, I hate it. I hate that part of it where it's like you want to tell people and then you keep thinking, you know, you kind of dream about it that you've told people and (laughs) oh no. Well, and also you have other interactions with him during that time. I know. And that's the hard part is where you can't let on and you can't give anything to suggest that maybe they should have a speech prepared. So. (laughs) They are 
course, they you just do sort not of, like that. You want to make sure that all of them show up and uh, all of them are on time for the award presentation, getting ready for it and rehearsal. And I did make a comment to all of them when I had them sort of together. We do a rehearsal before the big event happens and we get all t- together like half hour uh, early and they were all very good about showing up on time uh, with a couple of exceptions, but they were people that I wasn't that worried about anyway. So everybody shows up and they're kind of milling around waiting to be told where to go and what to do. So as we were figuring it out, I was giving them updates. And one of the things I said is, okay, make sure when you go up on stage, have your plaque and have it the right way and have your name tag off. And if you are the winner, make sure that you hand the plaque to somebody else and hold the trophy because they have these things they have to juggle and have your speeches ready and all of this. And everybody kind of joked about having their speech ready. Um, I think a lot of them figured out that they probably weren't going to be the overall winner and were just happy to be up there. But um, I do want them to start thinking about that so they don't get caught. And I don't want but them then to have you were, a... But then you were moaning about how Newsbomb had a speech. Well, I don't want them to have a speech prepared weeks in advance. I don't want Why them not? to pull the thing out of their uh, out of their pocket and, okay, I want to Why thank not? the Academy and I want to thank all these people. Because, I don't know, I, I like the surprise of them being actually shocked by it. But you want them to be prepared but yet shocked. Not too prepared. Oh, I man. want to put the idea in their head... Five minutes before. before. Yeah, so that they're starting to think, you know, well, maybe I should have something. If you completely catch them off guard, then it's not going to go well. I don't agree. I think that they can be prepared to be an overall winner. They have a, you know, a one in 10 chance of being a 10%. Is that 10 per chance? Yes, math queen. For chance? 10% chance. Yeah. So they could be the winner. But if they if they all have their speech prepared and they're thinking about it, then that means nine of them are disappointed. Nine of them are putting that speech back in their pocket and going, oh, well, we're not the winner this year. And I don't like that. I know. I don't like disappointing them at all. So I only want to give them a little bit of a heads up that maybe, you know, you all have a chance. Maybe you should have a speech prepared you know, five minutes before they go on stage or before they go backstage to get lined up for it or whatever. So... Um, yeah, it all, it all seemed to work out. Okay. I would like to just point out that you think I can't keep a secret. I think I can't keep a secret. I worry about both of us. Really? Well, because we get comfortable, particularly with these people. By the time we get to the convention, we've interviewed these people in the fall fairly extensively and you get to know them pretty good there. We've had email back and forth. I've had email back and forth with them several times in preparation um, for the event and giving them updates on things. And I've generally talked to them. I may have spoken to them at the event once we get there, just before the actual award presentation. So you get to know these people. And several of them have been in the program for several years, particularly the two overall winners. I've mm-hmm. been in the program for several years. So it's one of those things where you feel pretty comfortable with these people. And I don't trust myself. <laughs> I'm worried that I'll get a little too comfortable, especially if it's at like the Sunday night exhibit when they have, um, there's more of a open reception kind of thing in the exhibit hall and you're having some drinks and saying hi to people you haven't seen for a while and you get comfortable and you get talking and maybe you have a drink and you're all crazy because of the travel and the time zone change. And this time it was also daylight savings that started. So you get pretty messed up on stuff. And you're walking like miles from one end of the event to the other all the time. So you kind of go into a bit of a fog. And like you said, you know, you, you say stuff to people and then afterwards like, oh, crap, did I give it away? 
Yeah. And that was, yeah. That's the closest I think I've ever come to possibly giving it away. Because I will, I, but I will point out, you think I can't keep a secret. And I don't agree. I think I can keep great secrets. The ones that you don't get to know, I have kept. Okay. So now I'm wondering what secrets you've been keeping from me <laughs> here kinds, in a public podcast. All kinds, all kinds. What are you about to announce? I'm not. Oh, I see. You're going to tell me about your secret family in Alaska or something. <laughs> Man, can you imagine? Have to wait till after you die for that. That would be that would be pretty impressive, considering I don't like flying. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, secret family in Mississippi, which is closer to places that you do fly to. Yeah, this is on your true. Own. Okay, let's change the topic. This is silly. Um, and then, uh, um, see, I'm getting close to it now. She's nervous <laughs> and wants to change the subject. So it went very well. Yes, it um, did. But I, I am always amazed at the number of moving parts that are involved in something oh, yeah. like that. The things that you don't even really think about. I, I mentioned a couple of them a minute ago, but when I'm just standing with the group, um, we are kind of in the main ballroom, um, just kind of milling around at the side. And I'm going through these things. I was like, okay, well, here's where you're going to stand. And uh, they actually had marks on the floor for everybody, which is a first. So go out and stand on your mark. Uh, on there, have your name tag off, which people don't think about. Make sure you're holding the plaque. And Brian Keller um, pointed out, make sure you're holding the plaque right side up because <laughs> everyone laughed because he was saying the, uh, last year when he went up there, he had his plaque upside down and he's been he's been beating himself up about it ever since because every picture he's there with his plaque upside down. So make sure your plaque is right side up, hold it properly. And when they do win the overall thing, it's a shock to them. Plus, they've got a plaque in their hand and somebody's handing them a trophy and trying to shake a hand and they're on stage under the lights in front of 1,200 people. So it's nutso for them. It's like, what do I do? Where do I stand? So had to make sure the sponsors knew what their job was. You know, your job is to take the plaque and make sure you're standing with the winner in the center and uh, pose for the pictures and all of that kind of stuff. And then they all have to kind of cycle backstage at a particular point, get lined up in order so they can come out in the right procession order um, and present there and, and stand. And then at the end, when it's all done with, after the last winner gives their speech, everybody has to go off stage. So then what happens? You know, How does that work? Get everybody off, off stage and who leads, who's going to go first versus um, what order they go in. It's an awful lot of things yeah. just for 15 minutes of one general session. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that, oh, plus, you know, the plaques have to get delivered. Yep. They have to get uh, uh, delivered and handed out to people. And, and now we has have to be the lined back- up in order. And now and we have the backdrop, backdrop um, that gets set up for pictures after the fact. There's a lot of things that have to be mm-hmm. organized. And I have to hand it to TCA. As much as it always is chaotic, backstage and behind the scenes all of those things are happening that's just for our 15 minutes of one general session there's that was a two-hour general session and there was two more of them plus all the breakouts and the exhibits and the banquet and all this other stuff so there are so many things that need to be done i'm kind of amazed that they get it all done for the small team that they have you know there's like a dozen staffers there and a third of them are at their first convention because they're new hires. Yeah, they did an amazing job actually. And you it compare was... that to other events like we went to MCE, the ATA event in the fall. There's probably 30 people walking around there that are staff of ATA that are helping out with different things. 
and we went to that True North conference last spring. Oh, they It was had... about the same size. It was about 1,200 people there, and they had to have 60 or 75 staffers all with identifiable red shirts pointing you wherever they, you need to go. A lot of them were volunteers. Yeah. They had a huge, that, that particular conference, they had a huge number of volunteers, and it wasn't just in the... In the event itself, it, yeah, was, it was in downtown. the town Yeah, because it would, it happened to be in a small town in Ontario. It was actually not that small, but it's um, Kitchener, Waterloo, where there's a, it's a tech hub and it was a tech conference. And they basically had a call out for volunteers in the entire, it was the entire town. It was crazy. So the hotels had volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, you would go downtown to the restaurants and there were volunteers there because you could get discounts if you were mm-hmm. going to the attending the conference. It was a really it was a really cool thing to see. I don't think Vegas would be. I don't think we'd be able to overrun Vegas with the TCA convention. Well, but, they get so. around it with a lot of signs pointing you everywhere that you need to go. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, they could probably build on the volunteer program that they have because they have volunteers now working the registration desk and they could probably build on that with people helping out in some different sessions and maybe in some of the general sessions or whatever. Well, but, I think they did because I remember um, it was volunteers who introduced people. I've been yeah. introduced by a volunteer Yeah, you get before. a volunteer that introduces you, but uh, um, yeah, they've got the foundation for it, but Either way, they put together a, a pretty good show for a dozen people. Oh yeah, I it hats off to them. It's uh, and especially the one in Vegas. That one is always the most fun. Yeah, we like Vegas. Yeah, I, like I don't know van. why because we don't gamble and we don't smoke, <laughs> <laughs> which seems to put you in the minority on the. I know. So there's uh, the like a, a whole range of places that we don't go. No, but it's a it's a nicer it's a larger venue it's a nicer place and I think because there's more restaurants and bars and things there's more to do yeah in there's the some places sections that aren't scheduled time which is basically most evenings we got there Saturday um, and Saturday night there was really nothing scheduled Sunday night um, there was nothing scheduled Monday night there was an offsite event uh, which a lot of people went to but even then. If you don't go to that, there's uh, there's lots of other things to do. So it's nice. There's like 40 different restaurants in the wind to go to, and there's some bars and clubs and things. So lots to keep you busy. Definitely. So, so that was the the TCA convention uh, award presentation. Mm-hmm. And Jane referenced earlier that she also did a panel, moderated a panel uh, that featured three Best Fleets winners talking about some things that they did and how they work in their organization. And I thought that went really well. Thank you. Uh, Had some good content in there. And um, we talked on the last podcast about the fact that they were all Gen Xers and the sort of outsider viewpoint that they brought in. And it was funny. We were just talking yesterday about how some of the things they're saying to somebody who doesn't know the industry you hear these people talking about what they're doing and they think, well, what's the big deal? Everybody does that. Yeah, that's just and, normal HR. And like, it is outside of the trucking industry, but inside trucking, some of this stuff is crazy. So like the one that I always go to is Boyle Transport, who gives all their drivers a... Transportation. Uh, Boyle, Boyle transportation. transportation. Yeah. 
it's hard to even say that. It's just Boyle. It's just, I just, <laughs> just Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I just visualize Andrew. Uh, but he gives people an iPhone um, and a corporate email address and basically treats them like he treats his sales reps. Mm-hmm. And people think that's crazy. You know, I'm sure I have. People in the industry, I don't know if they think it's crazy, but people in the, it's unusual for the industry, but outside the industry, it's completely normal. So it's, I think that's partly why I always feel like, I'm in a, you, know, you kind of go through the looking glass when you start working in the trucking industry because so many things are are just different and you kind of have to get used to it. Yeah. And it reminds me, and tell me if I'm going down a rabbit hole, but... You're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I saw a, a um, an article in Barron's magazine by an economist who was saying that he couldn't understand why people said there was a driver shortage because hmm. there's no there's no indications economically from an economic standpoint that there should be a driver shortage because lots of people want to do the job. Um, freight gets of, delivered. Freight gets delivered. There doesn't seem to be that much of a you know an issue with that. Um, and so why is the industry saying this? And I'm reading it thinking there's no mention of people here. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of the fact that it's difficult. It's a difficult job. So when you start doing it, sometimes you just quit. So there may be lots of people who want to do it, but then they quit two weeks in. Yeah, but I can see the point that this person was making where if they're looking at macroeconomic indicators, if there is a shortage, there should be an effect of that shortage. And the effect of that shortage would be seen in slowdowns or increasing freight prices or difficulty getting stuff moved. And that isn't happening. I think that's also because there it's not difficult to start a trucking company. And there's a lot of people who are competing to get shippers business and they're competing on price. And this has been something that the industry has been saying for ages is that they can't raise rates. And so for historically, for the last 10 years, they haven't really risen, haven't really raised rates until recently. So I think that all of the data that the economic, the econ- economist was looking at may change. It's possible. After, yeah. you know, by looking at the last couple of years where, and I think that's where people are going fi- to feel the shortage more is because it's going to cost more and it's going to cost more at the end for the consumer because the entire process costs more. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And that's kind of related to one of the things that we found in the Best Fleet's data this year. After all the talk about people raising prices or raising their rates for drivers, and there's so much in the media about this new signing bonus and raise our rates by three cents a mile, we didn't actually see it in the the Best Fleet's data. Um, The numbers weren't really up. Driver pay really wasn't up. And there's a lot of drivers who are perfectly happy with their pay. Well, I I think part of that reason is that people are raising pay over the summer. Like Last summer was really when it just went nuts and into the early fall. But when we are looking at the data, we're collecting data for a year up to last fall. So we hadn't seen the effect of those raises. I think next year when we collect the data. So six months from now in the fall, when we start collecting that data. That's when I think we'll see driver pay change or we'll see it, the effect that we'll have a full year effect of all of those raises. And we should see the numbers up higher. Much but the, like, the raises have been going on 
for in best fleets, they've been going on for a couple of years. Steadily, but the big ones that happened that everybody was publicizing. Oh, that like the big bonuses. The big sign-on bonuses, okay. which uh, most of those are bait and switch anyway. Most of those great quote-unquote sign-on bonuses take five years yeah, to pay you, out. Then you became, become an indentured servant. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not getting it on day one, but um, we will have a full year of numbers, and I think we'll see those um, see those numbers go up, much like you're talking about the uh, the effect of the shortage will be may not be seen now, but will be seen in costs going up and the effect. We're already talking about people who will cut shippers that aren't good to drivers mm-hmm. and they're looking for good quality freight and there's lots of it. Um, so they cut all the people they don't like dealing with. And well, those people are going to have to pay a much higher price to get their freight delivered. And so give it another year or so and you'll start seeing the effect of that in the numbers. Yeah, I think I think it was... I think it's dangerous to say there isn't a driver shortage because I think in general there's going to be there's going to be a labor shortage just as the boomers exit the workforce and the millennials haven't quite got there yet. Yeah, could be. So, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I it's not that I disagree with the with the article is that I think it doesn't paint the whole picture. Yeah, it's a bit premature in some things and doesn't paint the whole picture. It's it's missing yeah, it's missing a complete, uh, it's missing that whole human part of it. If you look at things just in terms of economical factors or economic factors, you, you don't get the whole picture because there are things that look like they're great. But so, for example, the whole, um, the economy in the U.S. is booming and there's this, you know, there was like job growth and there was like, you know, six percent unemployment the lowest but yet and i thought about this in the 2016 election where there was like well why would they talk about jobs because low um, unemployment is so low but they still talk about it because there are pockets where all that unemployment is sitting that six percent is all sitting in one place Mm -hmm. so i think it's the same thing here where you talk about the driver shortage is that the pockets are are more more extreme yeah could be it definitely seems to be a hot market for freight. There seemed to be a lot of activity. And that was one of the things that I noticed at the convention in the exhibit area is it was really it was exuberant. Bopping. Yeah, yeah, it was. It and uh, yeah, somebody said, uh, well, we were talking to Marley from TCA yesterday and she said that she's heard a lot of people talk about a new energy at that uh, conference. And I felt the same way. Like we both felt that it was a very busy conference and there was a lot of people that were there to do business mm-hmm. which more so than what we've seen in the past often the exhibit area is kind of nice for meet and greets and that's where you go to get lunch and get cocktails and things like that but it isn't a place where a lot of people are talking business outside of like the hardware guys where they've got sales reps that are just grinding endlessly but on the services side, people are often not talking that much about business, but this time it really was, it was busy. We had a lot of people coming by that were asking us about training, which we almost <laughs> never expect to talk about when we go to this TZA convention. We expect to talk about the, the best, best fleets program. Right. So that I found really interesting. I noticed it. I mean, we noticed it Sunday, uh, which is the opening exhibit time which is usually more of a quiet one as everybody's kind of catching up and saying hi, haven't seen you for a while, all that kind of stuff. But it was busy with actual business stuff. 
And we noticed it then, and it continued even to the end of the Tuesday exhibit, right at the, the very last part of it. It was fairly busy. There was no dead time in there. So everybody is booming. Everybody's really excited and eager to talk about business, which suggests to me that the end is near. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to rain on the parade, but you think about it. When is the party at its most energetic and most crazy, it's right at the end when everybody is about to crash. Just before that crash is when the party gets the wildest. Well, there's a lot of indicators that, you know, things are going to slow down. I don't yeah. know if they're going to crash, but they're definitely going to slow down. Well, and people have so. been talking about it for a while, and we've been wondering for a while when is there going to be a slowdown. And I was, I was... I'm still going with summer, which yeah. is what I said right at the beginning where everybody was like, no, I think all of 2019 is going to be good. Yeah, and we were figuring that by summer it's going to start to slow down. Yeah. But um, following the great words of wisdom from Warren Buffett that uh, when everybody is getting excited, it's time to get out. Mm. You know, when everybody is really excited about a particular market, that's when he sells and moves on. So everybody seemed to be pretty excited. So I'm looking around at this and going, yeah, this is great, but why is it great? Is it great because it's about to be over? And I don't know. I, don't, I suppose that makes me very pessimistic, which is normally your role. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I was suspect. just, I was too tired. I was, well, I wasn't too tired, but I was too sort of busy thinking about what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, you, you were kind I was of running around like an event a, every day. Yeah. I was going a little crazy. So, but, um, I think maybe I noticed it because I didn't have to do any speaking. Yeah. Uh, I, and I wasn't, it was also, uh, I wasn't speaking, but I also wasn't grumbling about the fact that we weren't getting uh, time to share all of our information. So we yeah, had was nice. like, tons of opportunity to share all of our findings and all of our different activities were, were a really good time, but I didn't really have to do any of the hard work. It was fantastic. You just had to talk to people at the booth. I Which I sort of abandoned yeah. you there. Yeah. Um, and I ended up doing not only uh, a lot of time doing regular booth stuff, but did three uh, media interviews there as well. That cool. was also something that was different for us. After the announcement uh, of the uh, overall winners on Monday, I did interviews with Freight Waves and with um, Heavy Duty Trucking and had a short uh, sort of preliminary talk with CCJ for another story they're doing nice. uh, coming up. And then you went and did uh, radio shows. Yes, I was talking to Mark Willis on uh, last Monday and then again yeah. yesterday. Well, actually, I didn't talk to them. Uh, the overall winner, Prime did, because they're the overall winner for large fleets. Uh, I felt a bit bad because they didn't get a whole lot of time to um, prepare for that mm. because it was kind of like, oh, yeah. you're the winner. Oh, by the way, can you do radio? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Newsbomb will be April third, I think, in a couple of weeks okay. or next week, maybe. Uh, I have to check. So um, uh, I will have that on Facebook. And does Newsbomb know that they're going on the radio? They do. I told Brent I'm going to follow up with him. And well, I'm going to follow up with Mark and find out what he wants to talk about. Because actually yesterday they were talking about all the flooding. There was a lot of flooding mm -hmm. in Nebraska and that area. And unfortunately, Prime didn't have a whole lot to say because they're in the South because they weren't having they hit it yet. Well, they probably, they'll have different catastrophes that happen there. So mm -hmm. different weather, different issues. Uh, but another best fleet, um, Creek carrier, uh, they were on talking about the flooding. They do have 
their uh, head offices in Nebraska. So, so there was that. And I actually got some coursework done in the last couple of days, which is like, oh, coursework. Wow. I know. That thing. That, yeah. That other part job. of my job. Yeah. So we're going to have a, a course out probably today, actually. All right. Yeah. If I do the soundtrack for it. If you, you know, get off your butt and get me a soundtrack. All right. I'll get you some music. Yeah. Thank you. So I did watch the video. I did uh, the opening video that Blood you have. Cells. Yeah. And I have, I have thoughts on what Is that do. what it is? No, it actually, uh, and this is definitely a rat hole, so I'm going to be very quick and then get out. But it, it reminded me very much of a sequence in the show that we watch called The Magicians. Um, there's an area where they go into the Netherlands, which is sort of this otherworldly place of different dimensions. It's a weird fantasy sci-fi show. Um, and Jane's opening movie is very similar to some of the animation that they have in that section. So I will probably borrow mm. liberally from the way they use the music in that section. Okay. That sounds cool. That's my thought. We'll see what, the, okay, where it back goes. to the convention, which I, I think we've kind of wrapped up. I think mm. we, we've it was a good convection. Yeah. Convection. <laughs> it was a convention full <sighs> of convection. See, I'm well, it's cause I've spoken a lot in the last week. So now I'm my, uh, the, bunch of words that I have to pronounce correctly at my disposal is now going away. <laughs> you talked much, good not, many. Okay, so what are you doing? Well. Or what's next? Well, now I'm on the spot. I don't know what to say. I know, listen to me. I'm like, okay, let's move, move, move. Because <laughs> it's my rat hole, not hers. That's No, it's because I'm, I'm thinking about a course. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we've had a, a few other things that have happened. I know. Um, and the excitement in my world, uh, a few weeks ago was the, uh, the move to the new servers. Dum, dum, dum. Um, it was one of the things that we'd been prepping for quite a few months, um, and, uh, finally made the move, I think probably right around the time that we did the last, uh, podcast. Because now, would was, you, would you say that it's like moving house? You have to do all kinds of preparation and then it takes like a day and then it's done and it feels like it was just so super easy. No, I <laughs> wish it would be like that. <laughs> That's how I envision it. Uh, That's what I long for. Okay. Uh, it was probably a month and a half of testing and prep. And, and the trick is that you still got other things to do. So you, you work on it for a little bit and then somebody goes into and does testing and then you've got to cycle somebody else back to fix anything that they find. And a lot of it is configuration stuff and just making sure that everything is done the way you want it to be done. The actual move um, was about two hours, two and a half hours of actual system outage, which is longer than it should have been. Um, but, uh, we won't have those issues in the future, uh, when we do moves. Um, and most of it worked. There was a couple of things that we discovered that were problems that ended up taking again, far too long, took about five days after. Oh, the location stuff. Yeah. Um, so there was some issues on the configuration that were preventing us from getting the location where people are at. So geolocating people when they come into the site, um, which was problematic, but that got resolved. And once that was done, everything was, uh, finished and it was live and man, is it faster? It is so much mm -hmm. faster now. Yeah, I noticed. Um, and then I realized just how outdated the old hardware was in five-year-old hardware. If you were using a five-year-old computer, you wouldn't feel like you had a very fast system. 
And on top of that uh, five-year-old hardware, we've grown exponentially since then. So the size of the, the database, the number of, well, I think we probably have 10 times as many concurrent users now as we had when we first did this, maybe even more, maybe 20 times as many. Um, so all of that was just grinding the old system into the ground and the new one easily handles it. So we're well set for future growth. Um, however, I'm still going to make another move. What? <laughs> now that I've finished this move, I'm still going to make another one. Um, probably not for six months or so. I'm taking my time. We've got new hardware. We've got new infrastructure that will set us up for a couple of years, but I don't want to be in this business of having to go and source hardware all the time and provision machines and all of this kind of stuff. That's just not the way to do it anymore. So we're going to make a proper move into a a cloud structure, um, which will probably happen over the summer. And I expect when that happens, there will be maybe five minutes of outage uh, for people because you don't have to do the kind of crazy um, jumping through hoops that we did with this last move, which was just... It was ridiculous, the kind of stuff that we had to do to get it working. It's amazing how quickly things age in technology. Because you know what? If you, like even with trucks, like if you think about how fast things have moved through a decade, right? So from the 70s to the 80s, how much change was there in technology, really? Tons. Well, there was tons, but it wasn't. Then from the 80s to the 90s? Yeah, it moves faster It moves, and, faster. And, and then 90s to thousands, like, and then we, you know, it just keeps exponentially going faster and faster. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of trying to go fast, but there's really only so much you can do. Yeah. And then it, you know, at some point you kind of have to go, oh, wait, now I have to make a big jump. Yeah. Because I've fallen too far behind and... It, but that happens to everybody. Well, you were just talking about um, Twitter have to, having to change from build their whole system. Yeah, because they were on an outdate. Well, they were on a. You start building the system in the system that you know, and you don't think it's going to get hugely exponentially large. You don't think that, and then all of a sudden it happens, and you think, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, why wasn't I prepared?" And and it would have been crazy to be prepared for that. Well, yeah, you can't. And, and you, you can't invest in building those kind of large-scale systems in the beginning. You've got to put it in the field and see how it gets used yeah. and go through that process of refining it. And then once you get that defined, you know exactly what your requirements are and how it's being used and what your roadmap is. Then it makes sense to invest in those larger structures because you've got a place to go with them. But if you just started from scratch... Doing you would those just be spending money for no reason. Well, and you're going to have to change it anyway. You're going to have yeah. to, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to have to change it 50 times in the beginning. Yeah. So start with something that can be changed. So Manageable. the structure that we had was fine because it covered us um, while we saw how the industry was using the product and how it was growing and where the roadmap was taking us. Now we're at a point where we need to move into a different kind of structure and we can see clearly where we need to go. And to your point about the pace of change and needing to stay on top of it, I just don't have the time to be doing that anymore. So I can't be looking at what is the newest version of this and how does it interact with the newest version of that and 
planning around all of these things and deciding what we should be doing. And, and that's not the way that um, enterprise systems work anymore anyway. So we need to move into a proper cloud structure where all of that stuff is either happening behind the scenes where you're not affected by it, or it's being managed by somebody who's got a dedicated job of managing it, which is right. the direction that we're going to go is have somebody stay on top of that as a dedicated role or probably outsource to a, a consulting company that can manage that and stay on top of things like security and um, all of those kind of like threat detection, all of that kind of stuff it you is have to kinda, stay on top of. It's kind of cool how many different systems you have to, well, I, it's cool and crazy at the same time, how many different bits of things that we have to manage. Because I think people think that it's like we have this one computer that's Carrier's Edge that's in our, you know, <laughs> sitting in an office somewhere that, that there's Carrier's Edge. That's yeah. You can identify the, the box. That, yeah, yeah, it's in the closet. But in point of fact, there's like, God. 12 or 15 devices right something now. Something like, well, and they all... And they all run different software and they all for different purposes. And then there's, you know, the whole security part of it. And it's like a lot of yeah. moving parts. So, oh, yeah. So, it's like trying to manage just managing the um, infrastructure of your tech or technology infrastructure is like managing a staff almost. Yes. Because when one thing isn't working, then it affects other things. And so you have to make sure that everything is, is sort of aligned and it's, uh, it's a bit of a well, nightmare. Well, it's funny because that's kind of the direction we're going internally as well, is needing to build out our internal staff. And I posted a position for a development manager recognizing that there's no way that I can stay on top of this anymore. Um, and building out the application now in a modern sense requires a lot of different roles and those things need to uh, interact in different ways. So it isn't like you have somebody who writes out the requirements and then a developer who builds them and a tester who makes sure they work and then that's it. Then you push it live. Well, now you've got DevOps people that are just responsible for managing infrastructure and around code provisioning and go live and all of that stuff. And you've got other people that are uh, user experience uh, stuff that does the user acceptance testing, but also does the interface design things and um, multiple different types of developers in different roles for different things. Mm -hmm. And whether they're front end or back end or mobile or whatever. Full stack or... Yeah, so there's getting to be a lot of different things that all need to be working together efficiently. And so I've realized that that cannot be done properly by me. I just don't have the time. You don't can't keep it all in your head. You can't, uh, you need somebody whose sole job is well, to just keep that part. Yeah, and also somebody that does it often enough, does it full time enough that they're staying up to date on best practices. Cause that's the other thing. Even if I made 60% of my schedule available to work on this kind of stuff, I would need at this point, the other 40% just to come up to speed on what are the current best practices, because I haven't been in it directly for years and lots of it is changing. It's not just the pace of technology that changed, but it's all the best practices around designing and building that technology and, mm -hmm. You know, the, uh, the frameworks that people use, the type of coding they do, and the process that they use for getting there, like all the different development tools that are being used for different purposes. And I'm just not up to speed on that stuff anymore. So we need somebody to come in and 
kind of take that away and mm-hmm. you know, build the the structure and all the processes. And so, what are you going to do? Well, funny that you should mention that. <laughs> You're going to go back out on the road and, and play in a band. Uh, <laughs> that would be nice, but no. <laughs> well, it's funny because we are going back out on the road. You know, we are, well, next week we're at another show. Yeah. And since our last podcast, we've actually, um, uh, I don't know if we've decided to, we, we were looking at doing some Best Fleets workshops in different places around North America and decided that we just don't have the time to or organize the capacity, that. capacity, yeah. But we said, well, we'll speak at somebody else's event. We put it out into the behold, universe. <laughs> yeah, we've got like three different dates that where we are going to be speaking. Three. So, uh, well, we're doing two Best Fleets workshops in Canada, one in Winnipeg and one in Toronto, uh, end of May, early June. And then you're going to... Oh, Mississippi. Mississippi. Well, we're not going to Mississippi. We're going to Florida, going to, Florida. to talk to the Mississippi Trucking Association yes. uh, around that time as well. So all of those take time. And um, we have things that we want to share and new things that we want to talk about. And so you can't do it all. So you got to pick it. And uh, we can only you know, send other staff to so many different shows. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Before they to, start having the same problem as we do, and we can't do your, yeah, we can't do the job. It's not that you can't do your real job. It's you can't do the job that you previously did and you have to offload it. Mm-hmm. You have to say, okay, goodbye, previous job. Well, it seems more and more that uh, what we find ourselves doing is going in there, doing it in the beginning and figuring out what we want or what we need in different places. And then oh, you we mean can, the shows? Well, shows and different job functions. Yeah. You know, like you're staffing up more and more on instructional designers, but that's after you've figured out the process and how you want it to work and what kind of people are going to be good in this sort of role and that, and that kind of thing. And it's the same sort of thing uh, with us managing our, well, in doing tech support and doing uh, partner management. And we had all of these resellers that were being handled very poorly by me uh, <laughs> because so many of them were, were coming in and, um, you know, I was basically keeping it in my head and then Courtney came along and organized it all and got it on track. And the same kind of thing is happening on the, the platform development side where we've kind of figured out where we need to go. And now we know we need to get somebody to help take us there, uh, as a development manager, but we do the same thing with shows. So we were talking about, you know, these are the things that we talk about on the trips when we're on the way home from a trip and we're exhausted and we're like, okay, we cannot be doing eight shows a year. It's going to kill us. Who can we get to do this? <laughs> you know, which shows can they be doing? Yeah. So we've kind of realized, okay, well, we've got GATS that we do in, in Dallas and we've seen what that's all about and how it works. And, and we know that we can probably send some other people there uh, to do that in our place. And similarly, we're going to Mid-America next, next week. week. We'll try it out and, and see what's involved. And if it's worth going back to, which I suspect it probably will be, then we may look at whether or not we need to be the ones doing it or do we send somebody else there? Yeah. So, so that takes us to the excitement that will be Louisville next week. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a very interesting show. I think it's going to be quite the contrast with TCA last week because <laughs> yeah. TCA convention is all about pomp and circumstance. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's the business owners that are getting there and uh, they want to see a certain level of, pizzazz uh, in their show 
Whereas Mid America, from my recollection, although it's been several years since I've been there, it's more of a, uh, it's a, I guess a down to earth show. It's it's a driver show. You get the families. It's a very different kind of thing. So there's neither pomp nor circumstance. There might be some circumstance. Oh, I think there will be something. Yeah, there will be some but adventures. It'd be, it'd be interesting. Yeah. And it will be different, but I mean, there's not a lot of parading around and, uh, you know, on stages and sort mm-hmm. of, you know, doing the clapping and speaking and all of that stuff. It's going to be, it's more, you know, everybody, it's like more of the exhibit floor. Yeah. It's all exhibit which, floor. Yeah. Which means which there's a lot a nice, of standing around. Yeah, that's fine. And it'll be less talking, which is weird because I, you know, it shows you, or it, uh, in an exhibit hall, you'd think that you would talk more, but... I don't, I find that my voice goes yeah. more at the convention that, because I'm speaking. Well, and you're speaking loudly. Yeah. You have to have that projecting voice because you're on stage yeah. or you're talking to a group or something. But here at a show like this, it tends to be more one-on-one conversation. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. It's also a show that everybody goes to. Uh, so we'll see lots of people there. Yeah. You know, lots of the media people that weren't at TCA will be at this event. Um, so yeah, it should be, uh, it should be a fun time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I just wish that air Canada had a direct flight to Louisville, uh, which would <laughs> save me some hassle, but, uh, we'll fly into Cincinnati. I've never flown to Cincinnati. I've never actually been into Cincinnati. I've just driven. I don't think I have. It. No. Have we, was I with you? No, I, well, the last time I think I went to Mid-America, I drove. Oh, that's uh, right. So I wasn't with you. So, uh, yeah, drove with a group of us, went down to check it out. Uh, and when you're going down the interstate, you sort of go by Cincinnati on the way okay. there. So, which is what we'll do. We'll fly in and then drive over and hang around um, this show, which is not a hugely busy schedule. I do like this about the way the uh, the U.S. truck shows work. It's not a full day grind Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's a, a shorter schedule. It starts after lunch on Thursday. Um, so it's like a half day then. It's a full day uh, Friday. And then I think it's an early day Saturday. I think it ends at like 3 o'clock or something, kind of like what Gats did. So with any luck, we won't be terribly exhausted and in full body pain from standing mm. around the booth by the time it's over. And okay. then we will have some... Uh, some time to go and explore Louisville on Saturday night. Cool. We'll see. All right. I think. So after that, um, then our schedule lightens up for a little bit and we can get back to finishing our other jobs. Yes. So you can finish those courses that are on your mind. And I don't know what I'll do. I will, I guess, continue with product stuff audition for new drumming gigs yes with all the free time that i'm going to have from hiring somebody (laughs) okay well i think that can uh, wrap us up for today i think so well thanks everybody for listening have a great day have a great day